From Be Still, Be Free, it's the Bcast with Amber Miller, Sarah Godey, and Monica Steely. For more resources and information related to today's episode, please visit www.bestillbefree.com. So there's a reason why they asked me to speak today and not to be a model, because I would have been the one that fell out on the floor and probably fell off of the runway. Um, Grace is not my middle name by any means. It's enough that I've got these boots on. I am a jeans-wearing, T-shirt-wearing, flip-flop-wearing, ponytail-wearing, southern kind of girl. Um, so the funny thing is, is that when Suzanne had contacted me, gosh, it's been a couple of months now, and my, my counterpart, Monica Steely, both of us were approached to um, speak at two different events. Monica spoke back in August, and I was asked to speak at this event. Monica is very fashionable. She loves anything to do with what's the newest fashion out there. She's so cool. Her husband goes to Europe for the summer for a trip. And the only thing that she asked for was the summer uh, version or edition of In Vogue. I didn't even know there was a British edition of In Vogue. And I didn't know why she would want the British edition of In Vogue. But I guess it shows you what all the fashions are going to be for the upcoming year. All I care about for the fashions that are coming up for the next year are whether the new flip-flop's going to look like, what are the new t-shirts going to look like, and are my jeans still going to fit? So when Suzanne asked me to do the fashion show, I had to kind of chuckle inside. And God has got a great humor to ask me to speak at a fashion show. Um, but I'm so excited to be here, and this is my home church. It's exciting for me to see so many familiar faces. I love that we have so many generations represented here tonight. Never did I really think that there would be a three-generational thing going on here. At my own table, I have my daughter, sister, sister-in-law, mother-in-law, mother. So our three generations are here. I know there are a lot of other youngsters that are out here. And also the women that I love to call my sisters in wisdom. We don't call them older women. We call them sisters in wisdom. Um, so that is so exciting. When Suzanne did ask me to speak, I did not have to have much time to think about what I wanted to speak on today. I feel like God has kind of taken me through a journey, and part of my bio was how I finally have come to be okay with being me. And there seems to be a common thread among women where we're just not okay being us. It's so easy to see these fashion models go down the runway, and the ones that I want to wear are the ones I can't fit in. Okay, let's just be real. It's the God's honest truth. The ones I want to wear, the ones I can't fit in. And so many of us are that way. We're, we're just surrounded in a culture of, of people and media and society showing us everything that we're not or everything that we can't have instead of showing us how great what we do have is. We're in a culture of wanting more, of wanting different, of wanting what you have or you have, not wanting what we have. And that was a real burden for me about 10 years ago. I finally realized that I had become this very critical cynic. Now, I am a cynic, all right? That's a God-given thing for me. I am a cynic. But if you're not careful with cynicism, you can turn into criticism. And I had turned into this critical person who could do nothing but see everything that was wrong with everyone around me when really the problem was that I just didn't like me. You often see in other people, the things that bother you in other people are usually the things that you don't like about yourself. That's why it hits that little special chord. And about 11 years ago, God sat me down. I wouldn't even say he sat me down. I think he probably knocked me down and said, hey, Sarah, it is time for you to get this message. Um, 
because I have given you a daughter, I have given you friends, I have given you wisdom, and I need you to use that wisdom on yourself instead of constantly trying to use it on other people. So I thought a fun way to start this evening, though, was a TV clip. There's a new show out called Selfie. I don't know if anybody has seen it, but soon after Suzanne asked me if I would speak, this TV clip came on and I absolutely loved it. And so I'm going to ask the guys if they'll go ahead and roll that clip for us. You probably know somebody like Eliza. Do you, Terrence, take more age? Have Sorry. Thought it was on silent. More interested in getting likes than being liked. Got the upgrade, ladies. Don't be jelly, Linda. And you probably know somebody like Henry. This man took a product whose reputation had been badly tarnished and rebranded it. All work, no play. So no girlfriend. I find it rather easy not to form personal connections in a city that only values wireless connection. What are you doing in my office? Recently came to my attention that I have poor instincts, no real friends. Okay, you need to go. I'm not leaving until you say you'll help me. People used to call me butt ugly. I may get thousands of likes, but it's entirely possible that nobody actually likes me. It is possible to be beautiful on the outside and still butt on the inside. Like Gwyneth Paltrow. Tuesdays this fall. I can transform this social media obsessed narcissist into a valued woman of stature. Like Linda. Only way, way prettier. He's helping her change her status. Answer these questions. The thing I'm most confused by is... Plus-size skinny jeans. It's like, why? We're making pleasant conversation. We are not on our phones. Repeat after me. How are you? How are you? Good. What you're doing with me, it's working. No, Eliza Jones. Think that you're getting it, but you are in fact missing it. Selfie Tuesdays this fall. Eliza, you look amazing. Right? Thank you. Thank you. How are you? On ABC. Okay, I love that, especially the last part. And you know, again, with having three generations in here, I know that that our our wise generation is looking at my daughter's generation, who I already had to tell, put down my cell phone and get off Instagram this evening. Um, You know, you just don't get it. And all these selfies. And what I love about the, the TV show is that perhaps maybe Hollywood is getting a little insight that status isn't everything. And we need to have a show that has something about to do with the inside. But I think what we really need to do is look at ourselves and say, hey, what does our inside look like? Look at the church. What is our inside? What is our status? Are people liking us? Do they really like us? Or are they just liking us? Um, so I've got two questions that we're going to talk about tonight. Two questions all you all have to answer. I am all about doing community together. So if you know me and some of my life group girls are here and some of my supporters of our podcast, woo, they know I'm all about, you guys have to talk to each other. All right. I'm all about interaction. So I want you to take just like two minutes. Okay. Because we don't have a lot of time this evening, two minutes as a table. First question, who are you ready? Go. All right. So did you guys feel like you got a chance to kind of figure out who you were at your tables? Yell out some of the answers that y'all came out with. What were some answers that you said? Who are you? Mom. Wife. (laughs) Okay, another one over here. Who are you? 
A what? There you go. Okay, so what did we mostly call ourselves? Titles. How did you describe yourself at your, at your table? You described yourself in titles. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a homemaker. I'm a career woman. I clean the house. I do Sunday school. I am a friend. I host this. I do this, and I do, and I do and I do, and I do. And here's what I would have to say to each and every one of you here. You are more than what you do. Who you are is not what you do. One of my favorite women right now in all the world, Christine Kane, another God thing, seemed like so many of her devotionals that were coming to me were all wrapped up about being beautiful, being you, being authentic. And she said in a recent devotional that I read, your do is not your who. Your do is not your who. My husband, Chris, and I go round and round about this because he'll tell, you know, I'll be like, why do you love me? And I know he hates that question. He's like, oh, this is a loaded question. Am I going to say the right thing? Why do you love me? I love the way you take care of our children. I love the way that you are my wife. I love the way you take care of our home. I love the way that you love people. And I tell him, I'm like, okay, those are all the things I do. Now, why do you love me? Because you knew me before I was your wife, before I was the mother of your children, before you saw how I was passionate about people, before you saw all the nasty things about me, you knew me. That's why you asked me to marry me. Once I got married to you, then you found out all the bad stuff. Um, but, you know, and, and we have struggled with that. And, and this, your do is not your who devotional that I read was so good for him to read as well. Because I was like, okay, this is what I'm trying to say to you. I want you to love me for all these other things, not for all my do. Um, but our who comes out into our do. Does that make sense? Our who flows out of us into our do. You are the beloved. You are a princess. You are a daughter of the king. What is the way you describe yourself? Are you kind, compassionate, merciful? What, is, what are your spiritual gifts? What's your personality like? You've got to remember that your who is not your do. I had the wonderful privilege of being at a conference with my husband over the last two and a half days with John Maxwell Organization. And we got to do some really cool stuff. I get to really do some amazing things when it comes to their events and their conferences. And one of the things that we did is we spent yesterday morning down at Chick-fil-A. And as you know, Truett Cathy passed away this year. And so you can imagine the amount of pouring over with Truett that there is at the organization right now. We got to tour the, the building and we got to go into his office and see where he sat and hear about how wonderful he was. And then we came down through the building and there are these words just hanging on the walls in the, in the um, atrium area. Compassionate, servant, forward thinker, kind, changer. And I said to somebody, so what are, what are those words? What do they mean? And they said at his 90th birthday, they had the entire organization write out what they loved about Truett, what Truett was to them. And those are the words that they used to describe him. There wasn't something hanging on there about dad, husband, founder. Those words were not there. Compassionate, servant, forward thinker, lover, just beautiful, beautiful words. Those are the words that you want to have written on your tombstone. That's the legacy that you want to leave. And that's the legacy that he has left. So we have to think about our do is not our who. 
All right. Think about who you are, not just all the things you do. Because here's what happens when we start thinking about all the things we do. Doing will never fill you up. You will pick something else up to do, and then you will pick something else up to do, and you will keep picking up things to do until you are so exhausted and so burnt out, you don't have anything left. And now you not only feel unbeautiful in all the things you're doing, but you also do not feel beautiful in who you are, and you don't have anything left to give anybody, including yourself. Does that that make sense? So say it with me. Your do is not your who. That's not good enough for 350 women. Okay. I can be louder than that by myself. Let's go. One, two, three. Okay. Don't judge your beauty on what you can see. Judge it. Or we often judge things on what we can see, what comes to our eyesight, the things we see immediately. That's what we judge beauty by things that can be measured. You can't measure compassion. You can't measure kindness. You can't measure forgiveness. You can't measure mercy. And that's what makes it hard. Nobody walks up to you and goes, girl, where'd you get that compassion? I want some of it. You know, hey girl, that forgiveness looks so good on you. That is just the right shade, right? Nobody really compliments us on those who words. They compliment us on our do words. And so we like to do because we like to feel good. We like to feel needed. We like to feel pretty. So our first question, who are you? Now, practical application, I'm all about practical application. You need to take that question home with you. Don't leave it here. If you leave it here, your coming tonight was for void. Take the question home with you and put it in your heart and ask yourself, who are you? Okay, second question. And I'm not going to ask you to talk about these. Um, And, you know, I've got a total PowerPoint. Guys, do you want to put my PowerPoint up there? Um, Second question. You don't have to talk about this at the table because it's private. But what keeps you from feeling beautiful? What keeps you from feeling beautiful? Andy Stanley did another conference I got to go to, Catalyst. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to Catalyst. It's an amazing, amazing conference. Andy Stanley puts it on. John Maxwell used to be a part of it. Get to just listen to all these wonderful speakers and get filled up. It's it's meant for church leaders. Um, But in any event, Andy was speaking, and he opened up this Thursday of conversation. He had two questions, and I stole them from him. Okay. I had this whole thing written out about tonight, and I went home and I redid the entire thing. His first question was, who are you? And his second question was, what breaks your heart? So tonight, we're not talking so much about what breaks your heart, but really, what breaks your beauty? What makes you not feel beautiful? Because if I were to ask for a show of hands of how many of you truly feel beautiful, probably a handful of you would raise your hands. And of those people who raise their hands, it could just be because of indifference and apathy more than it is because you just really feel good. You've just gotten to a point where you're like, this is just all I've got. So I'm just content with that. Um, In talking about what keeps you from feeling beautiful, I think you would probably say comparison, your body, your personality, maybe the platform that you have. Maybe being a mom right now at home doesn't really make you feel like you're making a big difference. So let me just break that lie for you right now. It is the most important mission field you will ever be given. Okay? 
for all of my moms out there. I know how it can feel. And you can feel like, oh, I should be doing so much more. Why did God give me a desire for ministry? Why do I have heart for the orphans? Why do I have this? Why do I have that? And it just stirs all up inside of you. And you're like, I should be doing everything else. You should be ministering to your family first and foremost. Because here's the deal. The church is made up of homes. We can't have a revival in the church until we have a revival in the home. Okay, so don't take that lightly. That is a huge thing for us to just come to terms with. Accept it, own it. Culture does not tell us to accept it. They don't want us to own it. Satan does not want us to be okay with where we are with the audience that God has given us. Because if we became content with that, he knows revival is on the way. Do you, do you get that? Who did he tempt in the garden? Eve. He didn't tempt Adam. Because I think Adam would have said no to the devil. He didn't say no to Eve. He said no to the devil. I think he would have said no to the devil. And Satan knew that he would say yes to Eve. And so he went after her, girls. We got some power in our hands. All right? We have got some ability to be kingdom changers. But we can't be kingdom changers until we are okay with who we are as his beloved. And as the princess that he created us to be. Albert Einstein said, everybody is a genius. Of course, he would say that. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. How many of us really just feel like sometimes we are just stupid? I mean, let's be honest, really. You just feel like you don't have it together. You don't feel like you got, you're going in the right direction. You feel like you are stopped in your tracks. God hasn't opened the doors. You keep trying and tripping. Whatever it is that makes you feel that way, we have got to quit comparing ourselves. And I was just sitting here laughing at myself, thinking I really love those outfits that are fitting on women that I would never be able to wear. You know, that's me trying to climb a tree when I'm supposed to be swimming in the ocean. Okay, everybody would maybe love to have a different color hair. And and my daughter and I, listen, we talk about this a lot, right? We all have different body images, but we are all beautifully and created in the image of Christ. It doesn't matter if you are five feet or six feet, if you are voluptuous and curvy, or if you are just one of those wonderful people who can wear anything that God put on the rack in any store, okay? We are all beautifully and wonderfully created. I got to a point in my life where I not only didn't like the outward appearance, I didn't like the inward gifts. I didn't like the gifts that God had given to me. I didn't understand how to appreciate them. I battled with him about them. Why did you create me this way? Why did you create me this way? And you know what he did? He said, okay, I'll just take it away from you. And for a few years, he literally removed my spiritual gift. Now that is humbling because I didn't know if he was ever going to give it back to me. We have to be appreciative of what God has given to us. We cannot be the fish looking to climb the tree. Let the creations that are supposed to climb the tree, climb the tree. Because here is the deal, all right? It might look like you want to be someone from outside, looking in, but trust me, everyone has a little crazy going on and you can't do their crazy the way they can do their crazy. 
and they can't do their, your crazy the way you can do your crazy. All right. So whenever you find yourself looking from the outside in and saying, Ooh, I want that. Oh, I wish I was more like her. She's such a great mom. I wish I could be like her. She's such a great grandmother. She's her grandchildren love her so much. Oh, I wish that I could have that body. Oh, I wish I could have that job. Oh, I wish that God would open up the heavens and allow me to have this amazing platform. Every single one of those people got crazy going on. You just don't see it. All right. And just like nobody can do your crazy the way you can do your crazy. God called you into where you are for a purpose. We are all part of the kingdom. We are all part of his plan. He gave you a specific job to do. And if all we do is regret what that job is or regret the way we look or regret what we're doing, there's no way that we can be effective for the kingdom. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief that robs us of joy. And that is so true. I heard that at another event that I was at. I love conferences. I love reading books and I love conferences. Um, I had another event and Ann Voskamp had said it. And, and I was like, that is fantastic. And it really originally came from Theodore Roosevelt. That comparison is the thief that robs us of joy. If you can remember those two quotes, your due is not your who, and that comparison is the thief that robs us of, you are going to be better off leaving this evening. Because those are two remarkable truths. Um, If we judge our lives constantly by the things we don't have or can't do, we will feel useless. We will not feel fulfilled. We will not feel beautiful. We will feel discontent. But the deal is, you have to be willing to be an active participant in getting to the point where you are content. We are also growing in a culture that says, God, just give it to me. God, just give it to me. God, just give it to me. And we just want to sit there. Now, listen, the Israelites took 40 years for something that should have taken eight days. So let's not take 40 years for what should have taken eight days for us to get a message. Okay. You know what I'm saying? However, they had to walk. They had to be in motion. They had to move along. They couldn't just stand. They had to be an active participant in being rescued out of slavery and into the promised land. Ladies, we have got to be an active participant in our process of being who we are supposed to be for the kingdom of God, for being who we are supposed to be in the promised land. Does that make sense? And so many of the times we sit here and we're like, here's another one of my favorite quotes, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Always. But do you know what the truth of the matter is? The grass is green where we water it. So you've got to water yourself with truth. You have got to water yourself with the things that you need to nourish you, to fill you up, to make you feel like the beautiful who that you should be. So that as the church, if we were to come together with a beautiful who, imagine the beautiful do that we could have in our community. Is that, you got that? I mean, are you resonating with this? Our who is not our due, but girls, if we get that who taken care of, we are going to be amazing for the kingdom of God. John Maxwell says that the world is fat with information and it's time to exercise that information and turn it into transformation. We are also a church that sits and does Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. And we want to be poured into, and we want to read another book and we want everybody to tell us all the tricks of life. 
and yet we are not willing to do any of the dirty work. I would argue that the reason why most people are not happy with where they are in life is because they've come to a point where they're not willing to do the work to be happy. That the reason why we feel unbeautiful is because we're not willing to do the work to feel beautiful. And the work that we do is usually out here because once again, it's what everybody sees, it's what everybody measures, and it's what everybody applauds. When really, if what we would do would be on the inside, when Moses was up on the mountain and Jesus passed by him, he came down off that mountain. What was going on with him? Does anybody know the answer to this? Something with his face? It was glowing because he was in the presence of the Lord. If we were in the presence of the Lord as often as we ought to be, we would be glowing. And here's a perfect little example. And it broke my heart. Another conference that I was at. And um, beautiful, beautiful woman of wisdom. And she is, you know, white hair, gorgeous skin. And I went up to her that night and I said, Winnie, you look absolutely beautiful. And she's like, oh, don't tell me that. She's like, I have never felt beautiful ever. And I just had freckles and then this. And she just goes on and on. And she was really timid about it. And I told her husband later in another uh, time, I said, you know what? You need to go home and tell Winnie. What makes her beautiful is she has this glow on her face. You can tell that she is with the Lord. It, I don't think she's beautiful because she was some tall supermodel walking down a runway. She's 65, 70 years old. She's beautiful because of the countenance that she has, and she doesn't even know it. So we've got to get to that point. I've got a couple of truths that we always need to go back. If I could have my PowerPoint back up, guys. Some Bible verses here. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to that grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. And he who teaches and teaching, who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We all have a place in the body of Christ. The problem is nobody wants to be the butt. We all want to be the heart, the hands, the eyes, the feet. Okay, nobody wants to be the butt, but the butt's the biggest muscle in the body. It's what gives the body stability. Without the butt, we can't stand up. Without the butt, you can't sit up. We got to be the butt. Somebody's got to be the butt. Okay? And I think that we all go through seasons where we are the butt sometimes. And then I think there are seasons where we are the hands and the feet. And I think there are times where we might just be a spleen. I don't know. All I know, because I think literally, right? And I'm a nurse. So I'm thinking true body of Christ, right? We are all the body of Christ. You know, the song, let us be the hands, the feet, let us be the mouth. Okay, literally, but somebody got to be the butt. If you're in a position of life right now where you're the butt, it's okay. Because there's a purpose in being a butt. Okay? Uh, don't shy away from that. Okay, next verse. A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. We are told with wisdom right here that we are rotting our bones when we are not appreciative of what we have and we're more envious of what others have. We look at the mirror and wish the reflection could be different. God looks at his creation and says that it is good. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look 
at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and we are going to meet him someday in heaven. And he is going to look at us in a way that no one here on earth has ever looked at us. That is the day that we should be living every day for. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to be a bunch of slobs. Okay. We got to take care of ourselves. But when we are putting more into the exterior than we are into the interior, our priorities are shifted and we're not going to be heading in the right direction. Last verse. Rather, it should be of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit (coughs) is of great value in the eyes of the Lord. Here's the deal, ladies. God revealed this message to me when he took me through my desert of learning how to be okay with me. If anyone in this world can even begin to grasp gentle and quiet, I'm telling you there is hope for you. Because if I can do it, you can do it. If you ask people to describe me, who I am, gentle and quiet would not have been two of the adjectives that they would have used. And yet there is unfading beauty. I want that. I want the unfading beauty. Because if it's unfading, it's going to be with me forever. And I'm going to take that beauty with me forever. And I'm going to take it when I go and stand before him. Those are the things nobody can take away from you. So my personal third question to you. Why is this so important? We cannot impart what we do not possess. So if we're trying to impart wisdom to our daughters, or we're leading a Sunday school class, or we have a women's event, or we are in mission and ministry anywhere, you will not impart the beauty of Christ to those people if you do not embody the beauty of Christ. You won't. You can't. You cannot impart that which you do not possess. Again, we cannot have revival in the church if the one fundamental thing that we're missing out on is the fact that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are created in the image of Christ and that we are paid with the death of Christ on the cross. And when that spirit came into us, he gave us a gift to use and a talent to use. And we have strengths and we have weaknesses and we need to learn to be okay with those strengths and weaknesses. We need to learn how to use them. We need to learn how to be obedient to them and we need to learn how to be content with them. Last video. Okay, get your Kleenexes out because this is a fantastic video. Every time I've watched it, I have cried. This is another God thing. I love visuals. And especially for our younger gals in here, they are a visual culture. You all really want to learn how to educate and connect with your grandchildren or your young daughters. You need to learn how to be visual. It's how they learn. They are in a visual world. If you don't catch up with them, somebody else is going to teach them. You have got to rise to the occasion. I hate Instagram. My husband handles that one for me. I handle everything else, okay? We have got to rise to the occasion because we love them enough to be educated enough so that we are visual enough so that they grasp the truth enough. It is what it is. You can try to avoid the animal, but the animal's bigger than we are. So we have got to rise up and tell Satan, no matter how you think you're going to grab our girls, we're going to grab them first, okay? So watch this video, because if any of you have struggled with how you feel about where you are in life, this is going to sum it all up for you.
Why'd you say that? You can talk to me. It's okay. We're friends. Oh my God! <laughs> Don't be afraid of the reflection you see. You are an amazing woman, and today I want you to look in this mirror and not just feel okay. You are an inspiration. You care so much about your family. Instead of dropping out of college, you brought your daughter along the whole time. Even though things were difficult, you kept on going with dignity, grace, strength. You have become an inspiration, and I'm not the only one that thinks that. Hi, sweetheart. Hopefully this is still a surprise. We wanted to tell you how truly inspirational you are to so many people. You've always put me first, and you've always taken every opportunity to tell me how proud you are of me. And I just want to take this opportunity to tell you how proud I am of you. I couldn't do any of what I do without your support. When I fell into a coma last year, I woke up, and my family was there, and you were there. You were there in the room when I got the call that my dad was dying, and... You held me tight and cried with me, and then you took care of my kids. I'm so lucky to have you as my wife, as my best friend. You're the best mother ever. Um, you're the greatest advocate for our sons, Brent and Harry, and we love you, and you should be very, very proud. You are beautiful, not just on the outside, but you are so much on the inside. A moment does not go by that people don't see that. That's the sweetest thing in the whole world. So whoever put this together is just the most wonderful, thoughtful person. And now, how do you feel? Slide it, girl. What does that say? I'm enough. Let me hear it again. I'm enough. I'm enough. Turn around. great it's like the 10th time i've seen it and i'm still tearing up just watching it especially when she says it's all i need to know that my daughter's proud of me oh gets me every time um you we are enough we you you me we are enough just exactly the way that god created us to be we don't have to try to change that we just have to be the best version of us that we can be we have to be authentic be real, be who you are, and be proud of how God created you to be because you are made with purpose. You are made with vision. You are made with purpose. You are enough. The most beautiful way for you to become beautiful is to be you. Don't be anybody else. Be you. Who is that? Find that out. Connect with that. If you connect with that and you allow it to come out, you cannot help but be beautiful. I'm going to leave with this. True beauty. Guys, if I could have my PowerPoint up one more time to the last slide. 
True beauty is allowing the imprinting of the Holy Spirit on our souls to shine on the world around us. And the way the Holy Spirit imprints on you is different from you, it's different from you, and it's different from me. True beauty is allowing the imprinting of the Holy Spirit to shine on the world around us. Let's be lights. Let's be lights for our daughters and our granddaughters. Let's be lights for the next generation of women who are going to come up and lead this church and lead our homes because the church is made up of homes. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here this evening. Two quotes for you to remember. Your do is not your who, and comparison is the thief that will rob you of joy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beecast. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Be Still Be Free. And of course, check out our website, www.bestillbefree.com. <laughs>